Welcome to the Project Future podcast for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business with me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision and how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss. A Facebook group called the Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses. And this podcast, where every Tuesday, a business owner shares their story, including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robkerr.co.uk. So in these uncertain times, if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family, read the book, join the Facebook group and enjoy the show. Now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Project Future podcast. Unbelievably, it's already been a month since my first book, Project Future, was released. And I'm so pleased with the reaction that it's had so far. I've appeared on six BBC radio stations and have had articles in several other publications. It's also created other opportunities and I've got several guest podcast episodes scheduled where I'm looking forward to being on the other side of the microphone. More important than all of that though is the reaction that it's had with the readers. It's been brilliant to hear from people who have got in touch and have read the book, the value that they're receiving from it and to see how it's helping them to make better decisions, which is why I wrote it in the first place. So if you haven't read the book yet, then what are you waiting for? And equally, if you have, please do tell others about it, spread the word, and post a review wherever you bought it from. So on to today's episode. In this conversation, I speak with John Martin, who is the founder and CEO of Plutus Consulting Group. I particularly enjoyed this conversation, as so much of my experience is similar to John's, so I had real empathy with the challenges and opportunities that he raises. John has 30 years experience, first in finance and then in M&A delivery, and his recipe for success is a combination of customer focus, extensive global finance and risk experience, supported by strategic expertise. John explains how he gained experience and a career to fall back on before starting his own business and then talks us through how he built his skills and reputation from one project to the next. He tells a great story about the nervous excitement that comes when a project is being prepared to go live. And perhaps most pertinently, John explains how he's learned it's impossible to succeed alone, and that both teamwork and successful management of people are vital to success. Let's have a listen. So John, I'd love you to tell me a bit more about your background and, uh, and what you do. Excellent, Rob. Uh, and, and again, thank you very much for um, for giving me the opportunity to to share some of my my knowledge and passion and, and background, uh, you know, today. So really good to to you know and, and welcome for that. Um, no, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm, a chart, I'm a chartered accountant by profession, so come from a finance finance background, but uh, you know very quickly got out of uh, of, of the accounting practice. Uh, didn't find it uh, particularly uh, interesting or you know or sort of thought provoking, um, and really sort of moved into program and project management quite quickly in my career. Uh, been going almost almost thirty years now, so uh, quite a long time. It's interesting how you say how you. You moved out of chartered accountancy after after you 
you know, you got into it and realized that it wasn't quite the right fit for you. So how did that transition come about? And, and how did you first start going down the, the projects and program management side? I mean, that's an excellent question. I mean, Rob, I think, from, you know, for me, the um, the sort of process of management accounting and, and uh, sort of continual reporting, doing basically the same thing every month. Uh, obviously, we had different, uh, different uh, you know, requirements on, at a quarterly and half yearly, uh, the annual audit, et cetera, et cetera. But what I really found is that uh, I was getting I was getting quite bored quite quickly. I needed a bit more of a challenge. I needed uh, uh, more interaction with people. Uh, you know, us accountants tend to be a little bit uh, have a have a bit of a sort of uh, persona of being, you know, relatively grey and and boring type people. But uh, so I really just wanted to, you know, to get out there and become, you know, have a lot a lot more interaction with people. I also, as I said, I'm, I'm quite an A personality, A type personality. So, you know, for me, it's uh, you know the sense of achievement and satisfaction is quite important. Uh, I also like to see um, an end-to-end job. So, you know, for me, it's it's really being able to comp- start something, uh, you know, have the satisfaction of doing something and then completing it. So, yeah, very, very much uh, interest, you know, interested in having that, that challenge um, around continued tasks. Absolutely. And as, as a project manager myself, I recognise much of what you've said there, and there are many of the reasons that I decided to to get into it into the in the first place. You know, because uh, I think having that visibility uh, of end to end achievement and that working with people, it's it, it's a great thing being a project manager. For anybody out there thinking of trying it, then uh, then you know, John and I can highly recommend it. I'm sure. <laughs> so, so what were your early roles like as a project manager? I mean, very much driven by um, mergers and acquisitions. So it, it, the full end-to-end, uh, you know, buying companies, uh, putting pulling companies together, uh, finding synergies uh, in terms of um, operations. A lot of the focus was around cost cutting. So buying out competitors yeah. and forming forming larger organisations, getting uh, you know getting uh, economies of scale quite important these days in terms of being able to to maximize your 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 operating costs uh get that efficiency etc etc so very interesting my first uh, first big job was actually for um a large uh, food manufacturing company a well-known food manufacturing company that uh, that was um, buying ice cream um, operations in in south africa i'm originally from from cape town um, and uh, this was a really exciting role, uh, you know, dealing with a, an international group of, of, of um, people that wanted to buy our company. Uh, quite demanding, actually, in terms of um, our expectation. But uh, yeah, a very exciting uh, project and, and, and program to be involved in as, as, as an outset and as a sort of first official um, big acquisition that I, that I actually did. And did you start off with your own company as a contractor or did you start off as an employee and then make the transition later? Yeah, I actually did the, the transition later. I mean, I think that uh, you know, for somebody to 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 go from you know being an employee directly into owning your own business is quite a challenge. I think the risks uh, are, are, are at that stage unknown, and I think people sort of coming out of a relatively secure environment, you know, having having the certainty around having a, a monthly paycheck. Um, it's quite, you know, it's quite a leap of faith to to move into to operating your own business. So very much um, a more transitional type period for me. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a, the, the, what we call a shotgun shotgun type approach at all. 
yeah, same with me. You know, I was I was working as as an employee for six years as a project manager before I had the confidence to go. Okay, I, I know enough about you know what I'm doing. I know my market, um, and I'm confident to go and take this forwards myself now. So so yeah, I, I think that's a that's a sensible approach. I think with with any well with many new roles, I should say that I, I think that if if you have a go as an employee and you know or or seek some angles within a job that may link to what you might like to do as your own boss, then it will give that clarity without necessarily the risk that comes with starting something completely new. So no, I, I completely align and understand understand that. So then how did you move on? And, and, and when did you decide to start your own business? So I, I started my own business in uh, 1997. Um, you know, I was still living in, in Cape Town, uh, various projects that I got involved with um, as a result of, of uh, you know, moving out of the accounting and, and finance profession. Um, I'd already qualified as an accountant. So, you know, I had that behind me and I had that degree of certainty around, you know, if if, uh, if this uh, this new venture of mine didn't work, then at least I had something to fall back on. You know, in, the, in those days, uh, particularly in South Africa, the, the demand for financially qualified uh, uh, resources is quite high. Um, and therefore, you know, for me, it was it was ha- having that fallback position, which gave me that degree of comfort around uh, knowing that, uh, you know, things didn't work out. I could always go back to, to what I originally did, um, you know, prior to that. But, yeah, so very much driven by um, making contacts in the industry. So learning about uh, mergers, acquisitions, uh, a lot of divestment as well. So, you know, moving in the opposite direction. But, yeah, very, uh, you know, very excited to be involved in seeing, as I said, a job, an end-to-end job um, all the way through, because as an accountant, you don't tend to see that. You tend to sort of see success at the end of the year when when the auditors, the external auditors sign off the accounts, and that's about it, and then you move into the next cycle. So you know, I wanted that. I wanted to be rewarded actually for, for you know, for, for, for the efforts that I put in. I tended to be a person that likes to get involved yeah. So I you know, very much roll my roll my sleeves up and get involved in in the day to day activities uh, as well as managing resource and and getting the job done. But it's a, a, a huge sense of job satisfaction out of um, out of uh, you know seeing a, a fantastic result and a result that you know is 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 expected. So very much um, 1997, and it's it's been a nonstop uh, journey from there. Um, I did make the decision in uh, 2000 to move from Cape Town to to the United Kingdom. Uh, my parents come from a, an English background, so the, the the transition wasn't a particularly a big one because I was brought up in an English household, uh, you know, with with sort of um, English thinking, if I can use that terminology. Um, but yeah, it was very very um, very exciting, and I saw the opportunity to move, uh, you know, to move to the United Kingdom. Uh, I, in fact, I'd, I hadn't even, you know, unpacked my bags when uh, I had the first phone call of of, uh, of a startup position for a telecoms company, which uh, which was my first uh, first startup role. So that was uh, that was quite exciting at that time. Wow! And so, what was that role? What did you do there? That that was a startup uh, a startup telecoms business um, putting fiber optic networks in the uh, in the in the gas pipelines that operate throughout the United Kingdom. Um, it was uh, the telecoms boom, as, as a, a lot of a lot of uh, your listeners will probably uh, recall. That uh, you know we had uh, we had a, a sort of relatively um, let's say structured uh, gas industry. So this is a, the Lattice Group, uh, British Gas, 
but it's so, so regulated that actually the rewards are pretty limited um, and they really wanted to venture to something a bit more risky um, and therefore greater returns. Um, and yeah, they wanted to start a, a, a telecoms business, a fiber optic network business uh, using their gas pipelines infrastructure as the conduits. Uh, so the, the conduits were already in place um, and my job was to set up a complete finance function you know, for this business, um, acquire, you know, make acquisitions as necessary in terms of some of our suppliers. Uh, the the lattice group were one of the groups that actually particularly enjoyed owning the full uh, end to end, so they wanted the complete value chain. So it wasn't a case of bringing in or outsourcing services; they'd rather have ownership of the services, um, just to give us, you know, give them that degree of of uh, certainty around uh, continuity and supply. So yeah, very interesting first role. Uh, I used um, a number of consultants in those days, so I got I got a, a good uh, introduction to you know to to the use of consultants, um, which again, a big organisations tend to use quite frequently. It, it mitigates some of the risk in big programs, and uh, yeah, very exciting times actually. It was a it was a good first uh, first job in the in the in the UK, but more importantly, it was um, it was a job yeah. within two or three days, so it was uh, really exciting. You know, it's it's such an interesting case study that one that you've just shared there because it's it's very different to anything that I've worked on, and and I love how as project managers we have such variety. You know, there there are the, the benefits and the the variation, even sometimes within the same industry, of, of what the stakeholders are looking for as outputs of the deal can vary so dramatically depending on on you know all the factors around them. So which makes it which keeps things fresh. I think it always keeps things fresh, and there's. There's some things that we need to learn on the job, often quite quickly, but at the same time, there are those frameworks that we can rely on and, and trust that we know will work regardless of the situation. So I, I think you know the whole balance behind that of the things that we can take to every job and then the variables that we have to kind of play with and and, and make fit, you know, always keeps it fresh. So yeah, I think it's it's, it's very exciting. Very much so, Rob. I think the the important aspect, and I learned that very quickly. You know, coming from a finance accounting background, you don't tend to sort of have that uh, that full understanding of the people element. And for me, it's it. You know, the the things that I've learned over the last you know twenty, 20 almost thirty years is that um, you know managing the resource, particularly from a people um, aspect, is is vitally important for success. Uh, and you know, as as I said, as an accountant, that wasn't a that wasn't kind of the the, the top priority. The top priority was very much driven by delivering uh, management reports, accounts, uh, aiding decision making, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, where the people element was kind of a given. But uh, you know, these days, uh, in in terms of what I've learned over the last many years, is that the fact that you need to make sure that you've got the right skill set in the right place um and there's no ways that you can go alone you know i i always saw always saw myself as you know kind of the uh, having the ability to be able to do absolutely everything all the time for everyone and and i've learned very very quickly over over this time period that you cannot do that you cannot go alone um and 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 to be able to drive activity with with passion i think is is vitally important so it's very much the people passion um, and having a purpose element that I've learned. No, it's brilliant. So, so John, I'd love to hear some of the best stories that you've had over the years. You've had twenty odd years, you know, as, as your own boss now. What what are the stories that really stand out for you? 
I suppose, you know, as I mentioned earlier there, Rob, uh, you know, uh, I'm very much an A-type personality. So, that, you know, the sense of the chase, the, 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 the being able to do, do something that's relatively risky, I suppose, has always had a bit of a, bit of a, deg- well, a degree of, of, of uh, a desire from my perspective. Um, I suppose one of the biggest challenges that I've had in recent years is when I did the Lloyd's uh, TSB and HBOS merger, um, that was, um, you know, quite uh, politically involved because, you know, we had the financial crisis in 2008, uh, 2007, 2008. Um, and, you know, just coming out of the financial crisis, um, I was asked to to be involved and to manage the um, acquisition of um, HBOS. Um, as I alluded to there, it was of a political intent as well, uh, ensuring that we had financial stability in the market. But I suppose one of the most interesting events that I, I was involved in is that we, we had to transfer um, 400 million accounts over a weekend. Uh, with most most uh, banking transactions take place in, in over weekends because they're officially non-banking days. So you've got you've got full resource, and if anything goes wrong, you can always um, you know rectify. Um, given obviously that you've got the time available um, so yeah. that banking operations can resume normally for Monday morning. But I suppose that sense of pushing that button um, on the, you know, in, in, in 2010, transferring those accounts and seeing the, uh, seeing the result and seeing, you know, almost a year hard of ha- years worth of hard work uh, coming into one single um, action of pushing a button to, 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 you know, to pull all this together was a really exciting time. I suppose, you know, we, we were, very much challenged. We were not in a position that we could allow the um, normal banking operations, uh, you know, to to be interrupted. Um, you know, the, obviously the consequences of that would be quite serious on you know on the basis of of not being able to operate uh, banking services on Monday morning uh, as such. But yeah, very exciting Sunday, I suppose, is one thing that really sticks out you know, quite uh, quite sharply in my mind. There's a real camaraderie in those circumstances as well, isn't there? You know, when when you get there's the nervousness before a go live, and then you know when hopefully when things all come together, there's that that real camaraderie of of teamwork, and often teams from various organisational backgrounds as well as you know third parties and everybody that's kind of come together to make something happen like that. Very much so, and and again, we you know we 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 tended to ensure. Well, I mean, the best way of saying it, but uh, you know, we had a robust backup plan, so we had a, a plan B. There wasn't a, there wasn't an, an, an ever going to be an opportunity where there wasn't a, a plan B that would that could be you know fully operational at, at speed. Um, as I said, this is a you know, normal banking operation, so fairly high risk in terms of things going wrong. You've, your dependency on IT systems coming together and, and, and being synchronized you know, across uh, two relatively large banking platforms, always going to be a bit of a challenge. But you know, in, simple, in simple terms, an individual that went into an HBOS branch on that Monday morning um, would, you know, sh- would have to have had the ability to to transact across a number of different accounts, and therefore, you know, we had to make sure that uh, that that was a possibility, as opposed to you know allowing anything potentially to go wrong. So, yeah, very much driven by um, having that robust plan, making sure you got the right people, making sure that you know you got all the bases covered, as you as you probably appreciate being a you know being a, a an experienced project manager yourself. It's uh, this it, it's never yep. possible to cover all the bases because of the degree of unexpected things that can go wrong 
but as long as you get uh, get things going, you know, more right than wrong, I think you 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 know you're on a onto a winning streak in any respect. Absolutely, and in terms of the the, the remainder of the team and the the management of things, there's that expectation, isn't there, that there are unknowns and there are things that that can go wrong, and a plan can only ever be ever be so good that and there will be variables that come into play, but at the same time. You know that that sounds like a, a really good experience that you had there at, at the HWAS. Very much so. And I suppose the you know the other aspect is that you can never underestimate the um, the, the 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 requirement of surrounding yourself with expertise. As I sort of alluded to earlier, me me being able to think that I could do things on my own and cover all bases was these days completely unrealistic. So you know, ex- surrounding yourself with with expertise. Uh, people that have that are pulling in the same direction. Uh, you're making sure that you've got uh, that cultural fit of of of, of understanding. You know, we we use we tend to use the the, the word communication quite liberally, but um, you know putting it into practice is always going to be be a challenge because you know people have got different agendas. But you know getting everybody on board, having that buy-in from you know from all parties, um, and making sure that when you actually deliver something, uh, you know you've got a, a full understanding. Uh, right from the very beginning of the people on the ground um, understand the reason for this change or for the acquisition or whatever you know whatever is taking place in terms you know in terms of the if it's a transformation if it's an acquisition or whatever the case so yeah having making sure that you've got that complete buy-in uh, not at day 100 if, if it's a 100-day program but from day one is is, is vital um, so yeah very very interesting times that you know that I've been involved with in some really big and high profile projects um you know over the years yeah i, I agree and I, I think the communication piece is so key and it's it's having that that one team approach as as we spoke about a couple of minutes ago in terms of the different background and as you, you mentioned quite rightly the different agendas of, of of many people there and but having that that one team and having those conversations often behind the scenes with people to ensure that you know everybody is going in the same direction and the right direction for for the projects and for the business you know that's it's so key towards getting to success so i think it's it's a really good point that you highlight there very very much so and again it's it's it making sure that you know that the that the everybody's on board with uh, with what you're trying to achieve uh, you know the, 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 we live in a realistic world and and things can go wrong uh, as it's long as you you know you have uh, uh, solutions to that I, I tend to find even you know even uh, in in putting planning you know planning programs together before you actually start any sort of transformation i tend to find that um, people want to rush to 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 solutions before they fully understand the requirements uh, and I'm, I'm admittedly IT departments are very much driven by the by that sort of um, focus but you know it's putting people back making sure that uh, that the requirements are fully understood um, and then finding the you know the best solution uh, sometimes you've already got the expertise in-house you don't need to you know to go out and find it so it's really making you know making sure that uh, you bring the the appropriate resources into one place You've got that synergy. You've got that cohesion, um, and and making people fully understand that uh, you know we, we we're all in it together. And, you know, people use that term quite liberally. Uh, you know, politicians have over the years used that, used that term you know quite a lot in 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 previous years. But it's it's making sure that you know everybody is you know fully up to speed. You've got a good communication structure and infrastructure in place. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's it's really really exciting to to you know to to be involved in 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 relatively high profile programs um, 
you know that are, have big significance in terms of uh, the ability to to be able to deliver results. Um, profit, of course, is is a fundamental. But as I alluded to earlier, it's very much the people aspect that's becoming a lot more prominent today and, and, and will be in, in, in many years to come. No, I love it. And there's so much change to come as well in, in during this decade, and not just COVID related, you know, but in, in terms of the technology technological change that's ongoing at the moment and will continue for the remainder of the decade. There will be a, a huge amount of unknowns and a huge amount of uh, flexibility and opportunities and threats that come with that as well. And and I think for anybody that's out there that may be in a business that's going through some kind of radical change at the moment, I think John makes a really good point about the opportunities that, that can come from that in, in terms of where looking at, you know, teams will look at the in-house resources that's there before they necessarily look outside. So there's always that opportunity to, you know, put your hand up and say, look, I'll have a go at that. And it's it's amazing how many people that I've worked with over the years that have sort of absolutely, you know, grown so significantly during a major project in house and have achieved one, two, even three promotions, you know, kind of by the end of it. And it, it, change is always an opportunity for me and it's an opportunity for, to step up and for those willing to seize it. So um, I think that's a really key point that you make there, John. Excellent, and Rob. I suppose the other the other aspect is is uh, is very much driven by people who need to be create more creative these days, more innovative. Uh, you know, people in the old in the olden days, dare I say it, not that long ago. You know, disruption was seen as a bad thing, but today, you know, with 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 uh, without using that sort of term that's used quite liberally as well. You know, thinking outside the box. I think uh, you know, degree of innovation. Um, you know, finding alternative ways of doing things. Um, obviously, cost is a is a major factor in in, in 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 you know the world in which we live. So you're very much driven by if you can if there's a cost saving to be involved. I think it does tend to get, get a lot more attention than it did probably in in you know in more in more sort of uh, let's say. Um, uh, exciting times, but uh, yeah, I think the, the 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 fact that you need to be slightly disruptive uh, in your thinking, um, you know, turning things upside down, asking the question why, not so much the question, you know, what. So um, you know, being able to understand and justify, uh, you know, the, your actions, having a, a good, confident point of discussion, I think is is really uh, vital these days for 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 success. No, it's a great point. It really is. So, so John, what's the future for you? What do you see over the horizon in the next next couple of years? Well, I think you know, in, just in, t- in terms of uh, you know the world in which we live, I suppose the outside of the pandemic and and the forced working from home, I think uh, a lot of organisations need to to be better prepared in terms of some of their digital. Uh, uh, offerings that they that they do so you know some of the robust systems that uh, uh, you know organizations believe they had in place uh, were probably not as not as robust as they thought uh, you know being able to 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 have networks and systems that can handle um you know relatively increased uh, increased volumes in a in a short space of time i think is uh, is vital so organizations that um that have that, you know that are able to deliver their product uh, you know, in a, in a more digital format, I think is definitely success. I think the ability for people to adapt to you know to 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 um, different environments and different uh, challenges uh, and that, and that degree of flexibility. Uh, more importantly, obviously, is the is the ability to think, uh, as I said, outside the box and being able to, to you know to provide alternatives. Because um, you know, as as my my late father used to say uh, to me many times, the more options you got. 
the wealthier man you are. So, you know, for me, it's it's ma- making sure that you have that flexibility of thinking. You, uh, you, you provide thought leadership um, if necessary. Um, and yeah, as I said, have many, many ways of doing things that uh, that you need to come at things, you know, the same problem from different angles uh, and, and then quickly identify which you consider to be the best and most appropriate uh, solution. Absolutely. And, and you're settled in the M&A environment. You think you'll continue that yourself personally? Very much so. I mean, it's a, it's an exciting environment to, uh, to be involved in. I, th- I suppose the, uh, you know, what 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 makes it the challenge is obviously the success of of any transaction or any deal. Uh, fundamental to that, uh, interaction and learning, uh, meeting new people from you know from different cultures, different uh, different sectors. Very very uh, exciting and being able to you know deliver something that uh, you know that uh, is is workable. Um, it might not be the ideal solution, you know, from day one, uh, but, uh, you know, organizations uh, learn to adapt uh, and, and learn to, to, to you know, to, to, to deliver what, you know, what is required over a period of time. Sometimes it can be relatively short period, but, yeah, very, very exciting and, uh, and look forward, to, you know, to, to further involvement. I think the increased um, activity in, the, in that area, particularly on the, on the acquisition side, is, um, is going to be quite prominent. Um, again, uh, you know, re- reference to the pandemic, I think a lot of um, organizations are realizing that uh, that better to, to operate as a, as a global whole than individual parts. Um, and yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of increased activity uh, across that front in the, in, the, in, the, in the coming years. I agree. And I think we're already starting to see it. I think it's the, the latter half of, of 2020 has already starting to, to show a lot more, a lot more movement in that space. And, and that will only continue as, as companies come together and, and see opportunities often across national, national borders as well. A lot of international transactions happening. No, it's it's been great talking with you today, John, um, and learning about your story and some of the some of the things that we have in common as well, which is is very exciting. So before you go, uh, there's four questions that I ask every guest on the show. So I'd love to know what's the one best piece of advice you'd give to someone considering starting their own business. Making sure that you've got all the facts to hand, I think, is most important. I mean, you know, it's it's always a high degree of uncertainty and a high degree of risk. Being able to mitigate some of that risk. You know, being being uh, you know forewarned and form armed is the uh, the good old saying. But you're yeah, making sure that you fully understand uh, the challenges ahead. I think uh, you know being able to particularly monitor things like your working capital, uh, fundamental. You know, if you've got if you've had a few good years, it's always good to to make sure you've got sufficient uh, reserves in place to to handle some of the bad times. Uh, not to be too ambitious in terms of uh, growth initially. I think as uh, you know, you need a, a good couple of years to be able to you know to, to, to provide some sort of stability to your business uh, you grow it with passion grow it with a purpose and and, and, and grow it with pride because uh, you know as, as an individual business owner you are the business you are the the shop front you are the customer service you are the the, the protagonist in the in the, in, the, in in the play so it's it's very much uh, understanding you know all the, the different components that uh, that make up a successful business. Um, making sure that you've got that expertise, even if you even if you need to bring it in, um, is to is to uh, is is good advice. No, I think that's great, and and it takes time, but to understand all of those elements that come within a business, doesn't it? You know, it, it doesn't come overnight. 
and you know it's it's easy to start with a, a small area and then the, the the deeper you dig the more you realize there is to do <laughs> so that 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 by itself all comes with time so no, i i think that's a really good point you make there so what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started i suppose the 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 the, the challenges around understanding um communication to to what the requirements are initially you know i alluded to previously in our discussion Robert, uh, it's you know fully understanding the client's requirements up front, um, looking for alternatives, not necessarily um, thinking that uh, you know that the 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 expertise and the capability doesn't already exist. Um, I tend to to you know to 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 by default go to a sort of gap analysis initially in terms of any sort of engagement. Um, because you know there are parts of of a business that can be utilized that are maybe currently unutilized or underutilized rather um that you know people don't really have that full visibility of so yeah if if i was if, if best advice to give is um is really do homework at the beginning understand the requirement understand what it currently exists uh you know before uh, before any sort of planning that uh, can take place in terms of uh, the next steps and how you're going to move forward yeah, I love it. And you you bring on the point there in terms of the gap analysis and the, going back to our, our day-to-day role, there's many things that we often bring in that the client might not have thought of where as part of our job is to add that extra value and, and to, to dig a bit deeper and, you know, uncover things that may that they may not have thought of themselves. So <laughs> that's that comes into it as well, doesn't it? Mm, certainly, certainly, yeah, very much so. Okay. Is there a resource you'd recommend for those at the very start of their journey? So a, a book, a website, a podcast, anything like that, that you find of value? I would say, you know, it's obviously uh, literature and books, that, you know, many, many uh, resources out there. Again, we live in a, an internet world with, uh, with YouTube and, and, uh, and the ability to be able to, to, you know, process information, receive information, relatively cheap cost. But uh, I'd be, you know, quite, if it's sector specific, I'd certainly start getting involved and in, you know in 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 various groups uh, you know if you if you've qualified obviously through your institute uh, that you know they they are a collective body of minds. Um, um, I'm a member of a couple of um, I call pressure groups. You've got to be a bit careful when you say pressure groups these days because uh, we don't weigh placards outside the Bank of England. But uh, you know we um, it's it's really understanding and challenging some of the norms that have been going on in the financial services industry for a while. So yeah, definitely referencing um, you know what what capabilities. LinkedIn is a fantastic resource today. It's grow, you know grow, growing uh, you know growing exponentially in terms of its ability to to process information and yet not being afraid of um, being involved in the discussion i think is is vital you know because you can only learn from other people's um experience and and being able to you know to to have that varied and that breadth and depth of certain aspects um of of you know of your career is uh, is vital so a number of different things i wouldn't say any particular one but uh, definitely on 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 the access to information very much uh, you know driven by linkedin and and resources and 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 uh, you know whatever institutes are, are out there that are that sector specific yeah i think that's great and i, I think for anybody that's listening regardless of, of their industry or their background there will be something out there that's relevant I, I think is you know based on what John's just said. So um, yeah, just do a Google search or, or look on LinkedIn, look for those groups, um, even Facebook. You know, look look for those groups where where people are talking about these things, and that's where you'll you'll start to find uh, minds that are, have similar interests to to those that you have. Uh, the last question is: Who would you recommend as a guest on a future episode of the show? 
I mean, I've got a couple, a, a number of people. I suppose um, if it was going to be anybody, I'd recommend uh, is a chap by the name of Adrian Bates, who's uh, who's actually an HR um, uh, expert, but uh, has been involved in um, the cryptocurrency industry uh, of late, and uh, a very exciting industry. Actually, it's uh, starting to to get a lot more prominence. I mean, we we've all heard about Bitcoin and and uh, and, and the like, and and the challenge around uh, security, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But He's certainly an individual that I think would uh, would have an interesting uh, uh, couple of points to make in terms of the um, let's say prominence towards moving towards cryptocurrencies. Uh, again, there is a huge prominence of of activity in that area. Um, again, regulators are probably looking at this the slightly differently, but uh, I think there's a degree of of, of acceptance that uh, the norms are starting to move. People are starting to get a little more inventive uh, in terms of in terms of the way that they transact and. Uh, you know, using cryptocurrencies, cashless societies. I think uh, Adrian would be able to provide a lot of insight. Uh, very exciting. Thank you. And and another thing, it's another technology that's starting to mature now as well and, and starting to get more more mainstream. So, no, I think that'd be absolutely fascinating to speak to Adrian and understand how he sees things in, in the airspace going forward. So, no, very interesting. Thank you very much for that one. Excellent. Um, and finally then, John, um, any any links? If people want to get in touch with you, how how can they do so? I mean, my LinkedIn profile um, again. You know, John John Martin. They're pretty uh, pretty active on LinkedIn. I do a lot of um, a lot of support and, and and post quite a lot of activity on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect connect through there or um, through my company, Plutus Consulting Group Limited, which uh, is uh, email is John at plutusconsgroup.com. Uh, again, that would be good to interact with with people. It's it's uh, as I said, I, I get a lot of pleasure out of uh, learning new things uh, and 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 finding out you know new ways of doing things. So, yeah, f- number of activity, but I'd say LinkedIn is probably the uh, the easiest and 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 most uh, most efficient at this stage because of uh, because of my my level of activity in that area. No, that's great. Well, thank you so much, John. It's been great speaking with you and and learning from you on on this episode as well. I've learned a lot in the last half an hour. So so thank you very much indeed. Uh, It's been great hearing your story. Fantastic, Rob. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As I said at the start, having worked in many similar roles to John, I could really empathise with many of the situations he discussed. Teamwork is so key, even in the smallest of businesses, as indeed is the focus on delivering a plan. I really enjoyed the point John made about not rushing to find a solution until the requirements are understood. And of course, the nervous energy and excitement ahead of a big project being completed and the products being released into the big wide world. If this episode has inspired you to pursue the idea of starting your own business, start today with my three minute quiz at robcurr.co.uk forward slash quiz. On next week's episode, I speak with the brilliant Shira Shamban on winning with what you have. So please subscribe to get notified of this on Tuesday morning. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep launching and building those amazing businesses that give you satisfaction and balance.